Hey there, friend. Welcome to It's Me, Michelle Castro, the podcast. If you're here, then you're probably like me. You're a wife and a mom and very likely running a business or two, chasing after that elusive balance everyone seems to be talking about. But really and truly at the core of it all, your deepest desire and number one top priority is to serve and honor the Lord, your God, Jesus Christ. If that's you, I see you and you're in the right place. Here's the thing I found over the last 50 years on this earth. The things of this world are fighting against us Christians at every single turn. So friend, if your deepest desire is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, if you want to be the wife your husband needs and the mom your kids crave, then I'm going to go out on a limb and boldly say, it's no accident you're here. And it's not because I've got five easy steps to get in your life in order, but rather it's because I'm a sinner saved by grace, learning each and every day what it means to stop striving for the things of this world and instead seek the face of the Lord, my God, my King, my Redeemer. If you're ready to grow a life against the grain of this world, then sis, hit subscribe because you're not going to want to miss an episode. So... Go grab that coffee that's been beeping at you from the microwave, or better yet, just pour it over some ice, grab a straw, and let's get started. Hello there, my friends. How are you? Happy Tuesday. Okay, so before we get into it, tell me, how are you liking this new format, I guess, once a week? Are you loving it? Um, I hope so, because I really am. It is helping me to give you the most of me at one time instead of splitting my time between multiple days and coming up with multiple um, content, which trust me, I can. I just really feel like the Lord is calling me to kind of slow things down a little bit. So I would love to get your feedback. I have told you that you can find me in three places and um, you can see all of those in the show notes. But in short, it's um, here on the podcast, but we can't really interact here, right? Um, secondly, you can email me at it's me, Michelle Castro at gmail.com. And third, I'm on Instagram. Now I'll be perfectly honest. My notifications are off on Instagram. So if you send me a message and it takes me a little while to get back to you, I'm not ignoring you. You're most likely landed in my like requested box, you know, whatever that one is. And, um, I don't check my messages all the time cause I'm trying to not be on it as much. You can also find me over in my alter ego at flip flops and table saws on Instagram, but that one's just kind of fun and whatnot. But so it's me, Michelle Castro on Instagram is really where, um, I focus my attention for the podcast. Although if you go over there, there's not a lot on the podcast. I'm kind of, you know, quieting things down. Anyways, long way of saying, I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you're thinking and, um, yeah, so let's get into it. First, I'm just going to ask that the Lord use this mouth of mine as we venture into this subject of love. So let's start. Dear Gracious Father, I thank you so much for your son. I thank you for the example that you have shown us of true agape, sacrificial love and help us to understand that one, our love is not 
Uh, it's not perfect because we are sinners, but we can follow your example and we can try each and every day to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, strive to give that love that you talk about in First Corinthians. Lord, just go before us, open our eyes and our hearts and our minds and every fiber of our, our being that we might listen to the ways in which the Holy Spirit is pricking each of our hearts in these areas. Thank you, Father, so much for your word that we can glean from it, that we can learn from it, and that we can strive to be more like you, Father. And in your son's precious name, amen. Okay, friend, yes, we are going to talk about love. 1 Corinthians 13, love. And I don't know about you, but to say that love, L-O-V-E, is completely misunderstood in today's culture would be an understatement of gargantuan proportions. That is putting it lightly. Am I right? Here's the thing. Love is not a feeling. Love does not solve all of our problems. Love isn't, quote unquote, following your heart. I'm going to be perfectly honest. If I followed my heart with love, I would be probably 500 pounds married and divorced multiple times because my heart is inherently wicked and evil, and it's going to lead me down paths that do not honor the Lord. So I can't follow my heart on these things. And love is not love. Love does not answer all of the problems that we have in this world especially when we are looking at love from a worldly definition. So love is actually a verb. It's an action. It's a choice we must make every single day. Biblical love, God-honoring love, isn't what Hollywood and Hallmark are interested in because biblical love, the from the world's perspective, it's not sexy. It is not going to sell, you know, thousands or millions of dollars worth of box office tickets because it's not sexy. It's commitment. It's hard. And what's really hard in the English language is in English, we have one word for love and it can mean multiple things. I love tacos, but I also love my husband. Those are not the same way. Like I am not going to step in front of a moving car for my tacos. I mean, I guess it depends on how good they are. No, we know that, right? We're not going to step in front of a bullet for our food, but I absolutely would do anything and everything within my power to protect my loved ones, my parents, my husband, my children, my friends. But it's so confusing, right? Because we have this word love that we blanketly put over so many things that just is so ridiculous. So in the Greek language, so this is the Old Testament, or I'm sorry, the New Testament, which means that it was initially written in Greek. The Greeks have four different words that they translate to mean love. Eros would be that um, erotic, um, sexual type love. Storge, and forgive me if you speak Greek and I am butchering these things. It's all Greek to me. Storge is the second word for love. It refers to family love, the kind of love there is between a parent and a child or between family members in general. 
Philea is the third word for love, and that's more of a brotherly friendship, affection. It's a deep, it's the love of deep friendship and partnership. Um, it might be described as the highest love of which man without God's help is capable of. And these I am getting from, I think it's, um, well, I can't remember where it is. I think it's like gotquestions.com or something like that. I love that, um, that site. But I love how Billy Graham puts agape love. Agape love is selfless love. The love God wants us to have isn't just an emotional, but a conscious act of the will, a deliberate decision on our part to put others ahead of ourselves. This is the kind of love God has for us. I'm going to read that last part again. It's a deliberate decision on our part to put others ahead of ourselves. And here's the hard part about sinful humans that we are is we want it to be a conditional. And if then, if you do this, then I will maybe deliberately decide to put you above me. But that's not what agape love is. It's a selfless love, whether we feel it or not. Um, also, that got question says it's an agape love does not come naturally to us because of our fallen nature. We are in capable of producing such a love. If we are to love as God loves, that love, that agape, can only come from its source, which is Jesus Christ, right? Our Father, our Savior. So I love that because it reminds me that I'm going to fail on this on a regular basis because I am a sinner. And the only way that I will potentially see any success is through the Holy Spirit. So if I'm going to rely upon myself, one, I'm going to be like, if you treat me like this, then I'm going to treat you nicely. And that is not the kind of love that God has for us. So why am I talking about this? Well, because you're like, I've got business, I've got family, I've got all of these things. Well, my heart and passion is first and foremost for our families, for our marriages. Oh, yes, please. If you are married, did you listen to... I should have this episode number, but it was in June. It was the first episode in June about our number one most important earthly relationship is that with our spouse. And if things aren't going right within the home between you and your spouse, it it affects everything, right? So we have to get that agape love, that 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 love under control. Now, obviously for our spouse, it is more of a physical, sexual love, but we're going to talk with um, about agape love. And certainly that is a lot of times we need to make a deliberate decision to love our spouse, to love our children as cute as they might be. Sometimes they irritate us. I don't know about that. Is I don't know if that's true for you, but it's true for me. And I catch myself, which leads me to, there's so many ways in which the Lord has opened my eyes to these familiar passages. So I can say 1 Corinthians 13, and most likely the first thing you think of is love is patient and kind, right? You're absolutely right. But I don't know if this happens for you. These familiar passages become a little bit like white noise for me. I've continued and filled in the spaces and love is patient and love is kind and love never ends. And then there's some other stuff in between, right? But I got it. I'm going to be patient and kind and yeah, there's those other things. 
But I want to challenge you in the way that the Lord has challenged me to look at these passages with new eyes and to see the things that maybe you have missed. Because did you know, depending on the version that you read from, but I'm going to share from the ESV as well as the New Living Translation. And in both of those, it appears that there are seven things that love does, so positives, and then eight things that love does not do. So eight negatives and kind of like flipping the coin on the other side and looking at love from that perspective. Like these are the things that we do do and that love does do. And these are the things that it doesn't. So I think personally, it's super easy to camp out on the things that we do. Okay, love is patient and kind. It rejoices in the truth. It doesn't give up. It, it never loses faith or it... it um, it's always hopeful and it never ends. Yes, I have got that. I can do those. Like I'm not always patient, not always kind, but I can do those things. I'm going to work on those things. But let's flip the coin on the other side because there are eight things that Paul tells us love does not do. And I'm going to be super honest, which I always try to do. I want to be the one, like, I want to throw myself under the bus and tell you, friend, I fail at this day after day after day. And it breaks my heart because I think this is not how I'm supposed to love my husband. And if you're not married, there is somebody else in your life that that you love, like you would step in front of a moving train for them. And at the same time, they get under your skin like nobody else. And for most of us, if we're married, that's our spouse just because we live day in and day out. They see us at our worst. And sometimes we give them our worst because we're like, "Eh, you love me. It's fine. You are legally bound to me for all of eternity. It's going to be okay. But it's not. So let me tell you a little bit of a story. And I've probably touched on these things little by little. But about nine years ago, my husband and I were really looking down the barrel of divorce. No joke. I would lay in bed with him right next to me, sound asleep, and Google things like how much does a divorce cost? I wish I were lying. I wish this were hyperbole. I wish... This was an exaggeration, but it was not. I was looking at those things because things were not good in our marriage. A friend of mine, one of my godly mentors, I finally opened up to her because if you're going through marital problems, it's isolating. Nobody talks about that. And that's for another topic um, or another time, but it can be very isolating. And so finally, I felt Like, and this is a woman I had known for 20 years. Finally, I felt like I need to tell somebody. And I did. She encouraged me to meet with a woman that that she had met at our, our church who had shared her testimony of marriage problems. And now she is one of my dearest friends and greatest earthly treasures. So she shared many things with me on that day. In fact, Um, I had her come to my house because I didn't want to be seen with her outside of my house, not because of anything necessarily about her, but I, she has a very, um, familiar story in our community. And I, 
I just was so sure that if I met with her outside of my house and somebody saw me who also knew her story, they would jump to the conclusion that my marriage was in triage. Like, and it was, but I didn't want anybody to know that. Anyways, I had her come to my house. We talked, she prayed with me. It was amazing. And there were so many things that she shared with me when, that one day. But I will always remember one thing that she shared. And it helped me to start looking at 1 Corinthians 13, this love passage so differently. We had it actually framed on our wall. I need to put it back on, but fire, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it helped me to look at that passage differently. My husband would do something and my sin nature would kick in, right? And then I look up at this passage and I would remind myself what love is and what love isn't. Am I perfect? Heck no. And if you think I am, then you haven't listened to enough episodes. Go listen to another one and it'll be very clear. But we can, as I've already said, we can camp out all day long on what love is and we can make it this flowery, hallmark, Hollywood thing, but it's not. Maybe some days it is. Maybe, you know, all things are clicking and it's great and that's awesome. Cherish those days. But I still have a long way to go because I am a sinner saved by grace. Hallelujah. So I want to talk about eight things that love isn't. I'm going to talk really briefly, go back over the seven things that love is, and then I'm going to give you three things that you can do today to help you with this struggle of love. So my daughter is dating a young man whom we think is great. We love him. She is in love. And it's so sweet to see that young love, right? But we all know that at some point it tarnishes a little, right? Because we live life with these people and we start seeing that, you know, yeah, we cover, love covers a multitude of things, but now we just see that, ah, it gets a little bit harder. And that's when these negatives come in. Number one, love isn't jealous. Jealousy isn't just over something someone else What about time? Are you ever jealous for your husband's time? During those dark days, and there's even times now, but really during those dark days, I was jealous. And I don't think I would have ever put it that way because I would respond in such a passive, aggressive, annoying way. I was jealous of the time my husband spent watching football time of this, the jealous of the time that he spent away and it was not good for us. And I would just, I was horrible. I know I was, but love isn't jealous. So what were some ways that I could have done things different that maybe if I hadn't acted in such an awful way, he would want to actually be home by the grace of God. Things have changed in that area, but it's still something that I have to, that I struggle with. Love is not jealous. Number two, it's not boastful. Webster's Dictionary defines boast as to praise oneself extravagantly in speech, to possess and often call attention to. Friend, you are great. You have some amazing gifts that the Lord has given you, but nobody wants to hang around with somebody who's, you know, boastful Betty and always bragging on herself. That's not love. Number three, it's not proud. I love what C.S. Lewis says, for pride is spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. Let that sink in for a little bit. And if you're still not sure, 
what pride is, go read Proverbs. Start on the 1st. September 1st is coming up. Start on the 1st and read one chapter of Proverbs every day. Pride is destructive. It will destroy everything. How are you behaving in a a proud way, a prideful manner? Number four, love is not rude. Webster's defines it as offensive in manner or action. Friends, I'm going to be honest with you. I can't even tell you how many times in the 26 years I've been married, I've been downright rude to my husband, to my children, to my parents, to those I love because of my pride. I think more highly of myself. And so I respond in an offensive manner or action. And I have asked the Lord to make those times very clear to me. And when he does, I really try to to go back to that person and say, I'm sorry, I, please forgive me for being rude. Love is not rude. It, it does not even have to be in a verbal way. My actions can express rudeness in ways that my, my words don't even have to. But love is not rude. Love does not demand its own way. Oh, friends. Okay, mamas. What are the ways in which you have thrown an adult size mini fit because you didn't get your own way? You wanted something. And so you beg, borrowed, and stole basically to get that thing. Maybe not literally stole, but you made life miserable for your family because you were demanding your own way. Hey, I know right now you can think of 20 other people who demand their own way, who've been rude, who, you know, have been proud and whatnot. That's, that's great. But you got to start with yourself. So what are the ways in which you're demanding your own way? Because friend, that does not go in line with agape love, selfless love. There is a line between laying on the floor and, and taking everything, but also demanding. I think it's that word right there, demanding. Like, I have to have this my way or the highway. Number six, it's not irritable. Webster's coming in clutch. Easily exasperated or excited. How many times have I dismissed and justified my irritability towards my husband, my kids, anybody in the way because I was tired, hungry, overcommitted? Fill in the blank. Friend, if those are the answers for you, go to bed earlier. Eat better. Eat more regularly. Get a better diet. If you are overcommitted and that is a re, re, uh, resulting in irritability, friend, where can you remove things off of your plate? Love is not irritable, easily exasperated or excited. Number seven, it does not keep a record of wrongs. It does not keep a record of wrongs. I'm just going to leave that one right there. Seems pretty self-explanatory. Number eight, it does not rejoice in injustice. The ESV says it does not rejoice at wrongdoings. We can look at this in so many ways, but selfless love does not get excited over somebody else's sinfulness, uh, over somebody else's wrongdoings, over anything that is just despicable to the Lord. We don't get excited about those things. Pride, arrogance will delude us that, oh, you can get upset at that or you can you can rejoice in that because they deserve it. They deserved that. Friend, 
Love isn't jealous. It's not boastful. It's not proud. It's not rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It does not keep a record of wrongs. It does not rejoice in injustice. Okay, so let's let's end things on a little positive note. But these are the these are the five things. I'm sorry, the seven things that love does. Love is patient. Love is kind. It rejoices when the truth wins out. Yes, I want to be a love cheerleader, right? Rejoicing when when the truth wins out. It never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. I want this love. I want to exemplify this love. But the thing is, I can't do this on my own. You can't do this on your own. If you are a child of God, then the Holy Spirit lives in you and he can do this work through us. Because our sinful nature um, will not allow us. And here's what I know. God asks us to do things that are not natural to us because then we need to rely upon him. If if he asked us to do things that were super easy and natural to us, then that really wouldn't show his power. You know, like I can be nice to the nice people. Duh. I mean, of course, but that's easy. He's asking us to do the things that don't come naturally. So number one, I mean, these are basically like the Christian school answers. They're the things that as a Christian, we know that we need to be doing. Number one, pray. Are you praying? This is how we communicate. This is how we talk to our Lord and Savior. This is how we talk to the Holy Spirit. He wants us to love in this way. We can't do it on our own. So we have to ask him. The Holy Spirit is living inside you and he's like just waiting. He's like, Julie, just ask me to help you love in this way, in this agape, sacrificial, making a choice way. He will give you the the ability to love the unlovely in a way that you cannot do on your own. And it doesn't mean that they are always unlovely. It can be those people within your home that sometimes are unlovely. Because here's the thing, you are also sometimes unlovely. Number two, fill your mind with God's word. Are you reading the Bible? This seems to be a theme. Last week's um, episode, I said the same things. Devotionals are great. They're awesome. I love them. Uh, Listening to sermons are great. Uh, Listening to Christian podcasts are great, but they are not a substitute for opening God's word. Are you reading the Bible, the living word of God? Number three, are you in community with other believers? So 2020 brought on this whole influx of people who were showing up virtually. And I'm sure there was a reason at the time, but there is a purpose that God made us to be communal. We are to be in relationship with people and there is a reason for that. You cannot get that relationship through a screen, through a podcast, any of those. We can feel close. You can feel like I am that best friend that you need, but there's nothing like being in community together. And what happens there is we get refined. The Lord uses those times to bring those things to the surface that we need to to refine, that we need to be removed. I might not think that my family is perceiving my sinfulness correctly because, you know, they're my family. But then I get around other people and maybe I listen to the way that they talk and tell a story and I think, oh my goodness, I sound like that. And that sounds awful. Father, thank you. Refine me. Show me when I'm doing this on a regular basis. Or maybe you have somebody who is iron next to you and she's like, Julie, girl, that is not how we are to be 
of course, in a loving way. Um, That is not what a believer does. That's not how a Christian acts. Are we being refined? Are you purposely putting yourself into situations where you can be refined? Are you serving? My pastor yesterday just said like, hey, if you want to figure out what your gifts are, you need to serve. Start serving and and start showing up and see where you are being complimented, where people are saying, wow, you really have a servant's heart in this area. You're a great teacher. Oh my goodness, I can see how you have the gift of hospitality or whatever so that you can see those and then you can use those gifts. Being in community, there's so many blessings from that. So friend, okay. This ended up being a lot longer than I intended, but there is a lot here. Let me just remind you and close here with what Billy Graham said. Agape love is selfless love. The love God wants us to have isn't just an emotion, but a conscious act of the will, a deliberate decision on our part to put others ahead of ourselves. This is the kind of love God has for us. Could you imagine, could you imagine, friend, if we lived our lives within our homes, with a deliberate decision to put others ahead of ourselves every day, every day. And then it started spilling over to maybe our neighbors, maybe our close friends, maybe to those strangers. What if we took a minute to pray and ask, Lord, is my am I about to act in a loving way that's in accordance to your word? Or am I acting you know, in my flesh. And I know a lot of the time he's going to come back and say, Michelle, you are fully acting within your flesh. Let's look back at 1 Corinthians 13. How can you, how can you exemplify this? How can you be patient and kind, not jealous or boastful or proud or rude, not demand your own way, not be irritable, don't keep records of being wrong, not, don't rejoice in injustice, but rejoice whenever the truth wins out. Love does not give up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful and it endures through every circumstance. Friend, I love you. And I hope that you have an opportunity to put this into practice. And if you do, will you let me know? Have a great day. Really quick, before you go, would you take a second to subscribe to the podcast? Wherever you are listening right now, go find out how you can subscribe. That way you're not gonna miss a single episode. And secondly, if you like what you're hearing, would you leave me a review? A five-star review on Apple Podcasts would mean so much to me. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week.